We're going to continue in Ephesians chapter 5. And as you're turning there, I'm going to ask, do we have any Star Wars fans in the house this morning? I see that hand. Thank you. Um, Well, there's uh, one of the new characters in the Star Wars galaxy is the Mandalorian. And uh, they call him Mando, and he's an armor-wearing space cowboy who, uh, though he seems to be kind of a lone ranger, he, he does definitely live by the creed and code of his people, the Mandalorians. And uh, they call this, this creed and this code the way. And so uh, there are certain things that he won't do, And there are other things he must do because, as he says quite often, this is the way. Um, I'm kind of fascinated by how much like biblical wisdom that is. Biblical wisdom, if you read the wisdom books like Proverbs and others uh, and the Psalms, the Bible talks about there are two ways. In fact, Psalm 1 talks about those two ways, the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And Psalm 1 is kind of the gateway to uh, all of the Psalms and this idea of there are two ways. Which one are you going to walk in? If you read Proverbs, which I hope you will, um, it talks about these two ways. And the wise walk on the way of the righteous and the fools walk on the way of the wicked. Um, Isaiah used this language This is the way. Uh, If you ever wondered maybe where they got it from, um, Isaiah said it first. In Isaiah 30, he prophesied that one day the Messiah would come to teach us how to walk in the way of the righteous. And this is what he said. "And and, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore but your eyes shall see your teacher. This is a prophecy about the Messiah. Your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. When you turn to the right and when you turn to the left, this is the way, walk in it. Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And then he said, take up your cross and follow me. I am the way, Jesus says. Walk in it. And in Ephesians 1 through 3, Paul has reminded us again how Jesus is the way that that we who were dead in our sins can be alive with him. We who were uh, orphans can be sons and daughters of his father with him. And he is the way that we can be filled with his spirit. And then in Ephesians 4 through 6, where we are now, Paul has been saying, Jesus is the way, now walk in him. He said at the beginning of uh, chapter 4, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. And he uses this metaphor of walking, which is very biblical, as I've just said. And then he says, you are one in Christ, Walk in oneness. And we saw that he says, you're alive in Christ, and you know 
longer walk as the Gentiles do, but walk in the new life that you have. You are dearly loved children of God. Walk in love. And then last week we saw that he said you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children in the children of the light. All of this, this is the way. Walk in it. That's what Ephesians is all about. And so now Paul is going to wrap up this little section about walking in the way of Jesus by urging us to walk wisely. So let's find out what that means as we stand and hear the word of the Lord, the word of the God who loves his church. Hear the word of the God who loves you. From Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 21. Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything. God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (coughs) Watch your step. Watch your step. Watch where you're going. Watch where you're going. So when our kids were little, we parents would say that to them all the time. Watch your step. Watch where you're going. And then when we get older, our kids say the same things to us. Watch your step, Dad. Watch where you're going, Mom. This morning, Paul has a word for every Christian in this room. He has a a word for this church, no matter how young, old, or middle-aged you are. He has a word for us. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Watch your step. Watch where you're going. Paul says, hey, Christians, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of your surroundings, church, because the days are evil. Uh, The days are evil. Paul elsewhere, elsewhere says that we are living in this present evil age. But the new age of Christ has already broken in and begun. We live in that kingdom among this kingdom in these evil days. And Paul is saying, be aware of this, Christians. There are all kinds of tripping hazards out there, and the risk of falling is high. Watch your step. And there are all kinds of wrong paths to take. So watch where you're going. So Paul, I have the question, 
what would help us to walk the right path and stay on our feet. And he has two things that will help us this morning. Remember these two words, will and filled, okay? Will and filled, these are what will help us walk the right path and stay on our feet. In order to walk wisely in these evil days, Paul says in verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then in verse 18, he's going to say, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Will and filled. Well, let's start with will. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, I don't think this requires a whole lot of explanation. Um, Watch your step. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the path is. Uh, I read something this week that I think both explains and illustrates what Paul is trying to say uh, in this one verse. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. It's from a Christian writer that I sometimes read. Listen to what he said. This is recent. He said, last week, I had a wonderful visit to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary in the beautiful home state of mine, North Carolina, God's country. I had a wonderful visit to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary where I gave a talk about political theology. I followed it up with a visit to Duke Divinity School where I addressed a similar subject. In both places, he says, I was asked the same question. Here's the question in his words. They asked me, what am I reading now that is helping me navigate both the intense anger and fury of online debate and the shocking realities of war, division, and disease? I want to know, so what are some of the books you're reading that are helping you in this climate of anger and anxiety and and all these things that are going on in, in in the world, war, division, disease? He said, I gave the most trite, stereotypically evangelical answer ever, the Bible. But with a bit of a twist, I said that I was rereading scripture, but keeping a central fact in mind, that every single syllable of the New Testament was written during a time of far worse disease, far worse oppression, far worse danger. Life was more contingent for them. Christian believers had no political power. And they worried about being killed, not canceled. But despite that environment, the words of Scripture are full of expressions of faith, hope, and love. They defy fear quite explicitly. In 2 Timothy 1.7, the Apostle Paul declares... For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And he goes on to say, Paul's clearly not speaking of political power. Christians possess none of it. Instead, he says, believers are to have confidence in the power of a Savior who had just conquered death and hell. In these evil days, if you want to stay on your feet, 
and walk the right path. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And where else do you go but to the word of the Lord, to understand the will of the Lord. One of my favorite quotes is uh, from J.C. Ryle who said, Give me a candle and a Bible and shut me up in a dark dungeon and I will tell you everything that the whole world is doing. Give me a candle and a Bible. Put me in a dungeon, and I'll tell you everything that the whole world is doing. Now, he's not advocating that we put our head in a hole and are not aware of what's going on in the world. He's saying that even if you can't see and be aware of what's going on in the world, if you know this book, if you know this story, you understand the human heart, you understand the heart of nations, you understand suffering. You understand all that's going on, but more importantly, you understand who God is. <coughs> Excuse me. So in order to walk wisely as God's people in these evil days, we must, and I'm going to say this pastorally, we must read and watch and listen to less of the foolishness that our favorite news channels and podcasts and social media feeds are trying to tell us about what's going on in the world and why we should be anxious and angry about it. I'm begging you. I'm begging you for your own sake so that you don't wobble and fall. Listen to less of that stuff. Watch less of that stuff. Stay in more of this stuff. We must devote ourselves more to understanding what the will of the Lord is. In other words, understanding who he is, what he's up to, what he's done and is doing to make all things new, who we are, and how our little stories fit into his great big story. That's what's going to keep us on our feet. And that's what's going to keep us on the right path. Understand what the will of the Lord is. So, that's the first word, will. Walk wisely by understanding through God's word how he wills you to walk. But the other word is filled. The other way we watch our steps so that we don't wobble and stumble and fall is, <coughs> I'm so sorry, is to look carefully at what fills us. Verse 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. In case you hadn't heard, drunk people have a hard time walking. And this is not going to be a sermon about drinking. I think it's pretty clear. Don't get drunk. But I think it's more than about drinking, what Paul is talking about. He's saying that in order to walk wisely, we must be continually under the influence of the Spirit. But the question is, how does this happen? How do we obey the command? <coughs> to be filled with the Spirit. I'm trying to hold on to my voice. <coughs> I 
Eric, feel free to edit all that stuff out. How does this happen? How do we obey the command to be, to be filled with it? That's a passive thing. Be filled with the Spirit. How do I obey that? Well, let's, let's kind of think about this. Now, I'm going to do a little Bible study here. So hang on. Hang with me. And it, it'll get us somewhere. But let's, let's go back in this letter to Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, where Paul prayed this prayer. He said, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, here it is, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, that's, that's what he's praying for and asking for, and we should be asking, God, would you fill me with all the fullness of God? And the way he describes being filled with all the fullness of God is being filled with the conscious awareness and dependence on and rest in the love of God for us in Christ Jesus. He's asking the Father to strengthen us in our inner beings by the Spirit with the presence and experience and fullness of the love of Christ Jesus, the Son. The whole Trinity is at work to fill us up with the love of Christ for us. Paul is praying that we would be under the influence of God's love for us in Christ. I want that so much. I want to be under that influence. Because if I am, if we are as a church, we'll be able to walk. We'll be able to stay on our feet, he says, we'll be grounded in that love. And we'll have the strength we need. Part of the reason that little kids and older folks and drunk folks fall is because they're weak. And we'll have the strength as we're rooted in his love to walk. So that's what the Spirit is up to. That's what the Spirit's going to do is Fill us up with the love of Christ. Well, if that's what the Spirit does, what do we do? I mean, after all, the drunk guy did something to come under the influence of those spirits, right? He drank. Is there something we do? Well, let's, let, there are some clues. There are some clues to this. In John 16... And Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Here's, here's the part I want us to pay attention to the most. Jesus says about the Holy Spirit, he will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So 
But what Jesus is saying right there is that the job, the job description of the Holy Spirit is to put the spotlight on Jesus. The Holy Spirit, when, you, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're, we're noticing Jesus. That's what he, the Holy Spirit's not out to get us to, to pay attention to him. He's out to get us to pay attention to Jesus. That's his job. He will glorify me, and the Holy Spirit will take what is mine, Jesus says, and declare it to you. Okay, in John 7, 37 to 39, Jesus said this. He stood up on the last day of this feast, and he cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then John said, now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. Jesus is saying that if you will come to me with your thirsty heart and rest in me and drink from me, believe on me. This is, he's painting a picture of what faith looks like. It looks like taking your thirsty heart and drinking from Jesus like you're going to die if you don't have him because you will. <laughs> he says, if you'll do that, if you'll trust me that much, the Holy Spirit's put that spotlight on me and if you'll come to me and drink from me, then out of your heart will flow this spirit of mine. It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite sayings that anybody outside of the Bible has said, but uh, Jack, uh, Jack Miller said, the normal Christian, Jack Miller said, is the one who thirsts of Jesus, who drinks of Jesus, and overflows with Jesus. That's what Jesus is saying in those verses. Be a normal Christian who doesn't wobble because you're under the influence of what you've been drinking, and that's me. Um, thirst for me. Drink of me. Take me in. Make me uh, the very thing you depend on for life. And then my spirit will overflow out of you. And we'll see what overflows in just a moment. Um, well, no, we're going to look at that now, and then I'll come back to something else Paul said. What does the overflow look like? Paul showed us in verses 19 to 21 of our passage this morning. This is what overflows out of the person, out of the church, who is under the influence of the Spirit of Jesus. Um, verses 19 to 21. Notice that at the beginning of each of these verses is a little ing word, okay? In, in, in Greek, these are called participles. And each one of these verses is Paul saying, these are the three things that will overflow out of the life of ones who are in, under the influence of the Spirit of Jesus. First, 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. What will overflow out of the person who is filled with the Spirit of Jesus is the fellowship of worship uh, that we gather together like this on Sunday mornings or maybe in a small group or in other settings and we address one another, we speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, that's the horizontal part, but what's going on too is that we are singing and making melody from our hearts to the Lord Jesus. And so it's a picture of what happens when Christians gather. We, we gather to worship Jesus and fellowship with one another, and the lyrics of what we're singing to one another are all about Jesus. We're worshiping him together and at the same time encouraging each other, worship him, look at him, drink from him. He will satisfy, only he satisfies. You think, well, this is the strangest singing. That's the strangest overflow out of a, I mean, we know that drunk people like to sing. This is a different kind of singing. Uh, and, and before you think it's too weird, uh, and it is interesting, isn't it, that Christians are some of the only folks who gather and sing together? But that's not necessarily true. What's the last concert you went to? Um, when you were a teenager, maybe you went to some concerts and you screamed your head off the lyrics that you knew by heart uh, as the person that you... Uh, idolized maybe, was up there singing. And everybody around you were singing those lyrics, kind of looking at each other like, isn't this great? And we're singing because we love something. We love this music. We love this artist. We love these songs, which are usually some sort of love song. Um, so it's not that odd. It's just kind of, what we do when we love something. We talk about uh, what we think is cool. We sing about what we love. So that's one of the overflows that happens. And notice that it's to the Lord. It's to the Lord Jesus. It's in response to who he is. There's something about him that, that causes us to sing. Does Jesus make your heart sing? The second thing that is an overflow is giving thanks, verse 20, always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. This one was convicting. Makes me wonder how much I am under the influence of the Spirit of Jesus because I, mine is usually griping always and about everything to whoever will listen. Um, but when we as God's people are so captivated by Jesus and so uh, resting in all that he is for us and that he loves us no matter what's going on in our circumstances, it's not that we're giving thanks that this hurts. It's we're giving thanks for him always and in everything. So again, it's a response to something we love of, about him. And the third one is submitting 
one another out of reverence for Christ. And so the overflow of a person or a church that is under the influence of the Spirit of Jesus is that we don't put ourselves over each other. We submit to one another. That's what that word means. It means to come under. And so we begin to stop thinking of how we're better than so-and-so, and we start saying, how can I serve that person? And we do it out of reverence for Christ. So every one of these three things is all always in response to something about Jesus, something that the Holy Spirit has spotlighted about him that we embrace and we drink from and we lap it up and we then overflow with this kind of lifestyle. A fellowship with one another, worship together, of always being thankful for Jesus no matter what's happening, and then loving one another, serving one another out of reverence for Christ. Those are all responses to the love he has for us. So there's been a couple of clues in here that uh, Jesus has said to us, the way we participate in this filling is faith. Trusting him, drinking from him, thirsting for him, leaning on him, uh, being satisfied in him. And Paul in Galatians said that a a little clearly, and I'll just read that, and then we're almost done. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul said this to the Galatians. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Uh, Someone had uh, drawn them away from the path, from the way, uh, the, the evil days had drawn them away. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. And he's saying, they never saw Jesus crucified, just as we have not. But he's saying, in my preaching, you saw Jesus crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So this is our question. How do you receive the Spirit? How do you get filled with the Spirit? He says, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What he's saying is what Jesus said. The way to be filled with the Spirit is to see Jesus in his love for you, crucified and risen, and believe it, and trust it, and rest in it, and drink from the love he's shown us in his crucifixion and resurrection and life for us. That's how we participate in the filling of the Spirit. The normal Christian is the one who thirsts of Jesus, drinks of Jesus, and overflows with Jesus. And so I want to 
invite you over these next couple of weeks as we move toward Resurrection Sunday, as we move through next week, Palm Sunday, and then Holy Week and Good Friday into Resurrection Sunday, I want to ask you to intentionally, purposefully, maybe, maybe more so than you've ever done, I want you to examine your thirst for Jesus. Just ask yourself, how thirsty am I for him? And some of you will say, I'm more thirsty for him than I've ever been in my entire life. Praise God, that's good. I want you to, want you to recognize that. And some of you may say, I don't even know what that means, and I, I have no feeling or desire for Jesus whatsoever. I don't, I don't thirst for him. And a lot of us are going to be away somewhere in between. But would you stop and ask yourself, because Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, so he wants you to think about, are you? Are you thirsty? And then I invite you to participate in the Holy Spirit's spotlighting on Jesus and spend some time looking at him. So this is a great time to do this, obviously. Uh, go to Matthew, go to Luke, go to John, uh, go to Mark, and, and read the account of you know, the crucifixion uh, and what he has done to show you how much he loves you. Just soak in it. Now, that's what we're going to do on Good Friday night, but do it on your own. Pick one of those Gospels or read them all, but spend some extra time just sitting, sitting with that. And, and though you think you know the story so well, you've heard it a thousand times, pray and, and say, Holy Spirit, would you show me Jesus in a way I've not seen him yet? Or remind me something that I have seen, but but I've forgotten. And would you, in looking at Jesus, stir my thirst for him? And then as you're reading it, talk to Jesus. Express your gratitude to him for what he's done. Um, or, or if you just still feel dry, say, Jesus, uh, stir my thirst for you. Uh, talk to him. Be real with him. There's nothing in your heart that he doesn't already know, so he's not going to be shocked. But look at him. So examine, look at your thirst, and then look at Jesus. And talk to him. And uh, ask him to make you so intoxicated with his love for you that you come under his influence and it makes you walk differently. That's your uh, Holy Week assignment. Invitation, I should say. Father, uh, come by your Spirit and, and do what Paul prayed. Strengthen us in our inner beings. Bring us under the influence of the Spirit of Jesus. Um, not in some weird mystical way that makes us talk in funny ways or, or, or run up and down aisles. No, 
uh, under the, an influence of his love for us that causes us to praise him with songs from our hearts. Even when we can't carry a tune in a bucket, we can carry a tune of love and praise for him in our hearts. Help us to come under his influence in such a way that we're just thankful all the time. That we just, even when things are hard, um, we're just thankful that we've got Jesus in the middle of the hard stuff. And help us, Lord God, to become so under the influence of the love of Jesus uh, and his submission to your will in order to love the likes of us that we would then become like him and submit ourselves to one another, to serve one another out of reverence for him and amazement and awe at his love for us. That's what we ask that you would do by the power of your spirit. And now as we come to this table, Holy Spirit, throw the spotlight on Jesus and help us to know and experience his great love for us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.